Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Cause I put a smile on my face, a facade you can never face. And if you don't know me well at all, you won't see how buried I am inside my grave. Inside my grave. I've been through so much. That looks different for everyone. We can't put struggle in a measuring cup. But I will say, in the last few years, my cup runneth over. Self-doubt, identity limbo, this job jungle, outgrowing the people and spaces around me, and shedding my own sense of self, even when I'm not ready. Figuring out and fixing me has never felt more urgent or necessary knowing who I am and who I'm not, and always working towards who I'm supposed to be. What do I stand for? What's my purpose? What matters most? What does success look like? And which way is happiness? Because I feel like I keep missing the turn. When I'm good at life, I love myself. Because when I'm not, what else is there? I know I'm supposed to believe in me, and my special. But most days, I trick myself into self-love with the right content and quotes, one day at a time. Love yourself first. Keep smiling. You are enough. Fake it till you make it, right? I've been waiting for the make it part without realizing that this is it. Self-love doesn't have a finish line. It's bigger than a goal on a vision board and it'll never have well-defined success metrics. It's vague and confusing and fickle and intangible. It's now, this moment, and my choice. And the complexity and warmth that come with it is what makes it all worth it. Now, I wish I would've learned this instead of grade school algebra, but here we are. Uh, And the years I've spent learning this lesson the hard way are starting to add up. This is my one life and my one me, and it's time to step out of my head and into my potential so I can claim who I am and what is for me. Welcome to uh, the second episode of season two. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, we have an amazing guest with us today, uh, Camila Martin. She is a nonprofit executive turned consultant focused on empowering Black women through community. She builds healthy, happy, high functioning teams as a nonprofit consultant and as an entrepreneur. Uh, she's also the founder and CEO of Catalyst and happens to be a professional nature photographer. 
which is another story perhaps for a different day. But um, also I love the, I love nature. I've been super into nature documentaries lately. Mm. And um, the other day I live in like a kind of a nature preserve neighborhood. I saw a bird in the middle of attacking and it was just there with like its little leg and its neck doing the weird thing. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to catch it. I'm going to catch it getting a fish. And I stood there for seven minutes mm-hmm. and it just stayed in that position. And I'm like, you know what? This is for the birds. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, So kudos to you being a nature photographer. I'm like, is this what they do for hours? They just record these animals and all of this nature just doing what it does. Well, I like to I like to shoot scenes and scenery, so I'm I'm sort of less at the whim of animals and creature behaviors. Um, but it's interesting. I took my kids fossil hunting on Saturday, so we uh, we we did a whole day trip, and they found some sharks' teeth and stuff. So I'm raising little nature people as well. <laughs> I love that so much, Krista. When you mentioned a bird, for some reason in my mind, I thought about a hummingbird, not a big bird that would be eating a fish out of a lake. (laughs) These birds are big. Actually, people come and visit me and they get a little scared. These birds would be three, four feet tall. These birds are not playing. Yes. So that's why I was excited because I knew it was going to be a big one. But, you know, anyways, I think that just speaks to um, your ability to be patient, to capture the beauty in things and I think photography is like a really cool hobby to have and not a skill that I have. Everybody thinks they're a photographer, right? With your phone and all that. So kudos to you, Camila. Yeah, well, um, thanks. It brings me peace. It brings me peace. That's that's how it started actually in the pandemic. Peace in the peace in the pandemic was what I used to say. That's that's really? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's actually exactly what we're talking about today is this idea of peace related to one nuance of our identity which is work, which is our professional life. You know, we just replayed the narrative so that we could get grounded in it again. And in going through the motions of growth, I remember the biggest hurdle was coming to terms with who I was outside of work. And it was especially hard because who I was at work was so much of how I saw myself um, and my self-worth, right? Like how I was performing, what kind of job I got, the title, the pay. Uh, Did I get a lot of claps on the back or claps, pats on the back over however amount of time? That kind of stuff was really important to me for so long. And I wanted to to know like what your journeys have looked like with that. I guess I'll start. Um, You know, so first of all, I hear all of that and it's, I know it's exhausting. And I think a lot of us kind of play in that play in that arena of uh you know showing up one week at work and then shedding that and becoming who you really are when you clock out at five um and what's interesting is for for me and I think um a lot of the women that I that I work with uh once I started being more mindful and vocal about that experience for me um it it gave me permission to kind of just stop it. <laughs> um, like I gave myself permission um, in a very drastic way. I was part of the great resignation in 2020 um, around, uh, I mean, several reasons, but one of, one of which was uh, what I felt was sort of, um, you know, a lack of racial awareness at my job and the contortions that I found the organization um, 
you know, turning into to try and dance around particular issues. And that in terms of talking about peace, like that was the that was a major peace disruptor as a black woman as a, with a very public facing role um, at an organization that's uh, supposedly about kind of doing the right thing out there. Um, and so I had to make the decision to leave. And it was for my health. It was for my mental health. And it was scary in the moment. But um, I think just the growth and kind of meta- metamorphosis, I guess, to stick on our nature theme of, um, you know, just how what happens when you shed some of those supposed tos and, you know, kind of when you create spaces for yourself that allow you to exist as your full self. Um, and I know there's, you know, there's trends kind of like show up as your authentic self to work, but let's just be real. Like that's just not possible for a lot of people, you know, for psychological safety wise or other, other, you know, realistic reasons of, you know, needing to keep your job. So I was in a very fortunate position that I was able to make that choice for myself and, um, you know, have, have brought along a lot of other women in the nonprofit space who, um, you know, are kind of questioning some of those things for themselves. And I would say it's not an easy road, but uh, in terms of peace and finding your peace and um, learning who I am outside of the the shields and the masks that I, you know, from the beginning of my professional life thought I had to wear has been quite a journey. I really love that for you because obviously I'm on the other side of the spectrum where I'm still actually in a corporate role. I wasn't part of the great resignation, but I do feel like I didn't have a choice but to shift my thinking because mm-hmm. although you show up to work every day and you're smiling and you're like, yeah, I'm here to help you. What can I do? I'm trying to change hearts and minds or you know whatever it is that you're doing inside you're bitter. I was bitter. I was angry. I didn't want to do it anymore. There were so many times where I was just like, I don't want to do this work anymore. I felt so optimistic initially early on in the year when the murder of George Floyd happened. It seemed like there was a switch that went off in people and that they were dedicating themselves to to being better and to changing, whether they were organization or as an individual. And then as time went on, like you really began to see it all unravel that it was just because it was in the moment and not because they really wanted to do something. So as someone who sat on a DEI team at the time, the only thing that I felt was that I was a hamster on a wheel. Like I was just running and running and running and running and running, answering different questions or different needs really of executives who... (laughs) We're talking to their friends and deciding, oh, we want to do X, Y, and Z. And I think we all know that this work is customized. Like it has to be curated. It has to be special depending on what your situation is at your organization. And I just felt like I was just on a hamster wheel. But fast forwarding, because I was so angry and so bitter, people could see through the smile, through the mask if you will, as you mentioned. Um, And I really just had to make a decision. Like, am I going to be on the computer all night till 3 a.m. and still getting up at 7 a.m. to go to work? Am I going to be crying while my my computer or Zoom camera's off? Am I going to not eat all day? Am I going to sit here and not use the bathroom? Like, is that who I'm going to be? Or do I need to 
take a different path? And do I need to choose me? And that's really what what happened, where I just had to choose my own sanity and my own peace over the chaos that is corporate America. And I mean, that takes a lot of strength, right? Like to know that, you know, you're not going to be able to just up and abruptly leave the situation, but you have to change something within yourself to be able to manage and navigate within that environment without um, losing yourself in that space. So, you know, I just want to applaud whatever internal work you had to do and continuously have to do um, to make sure that you are true to yourself and kind of given, giving yourself that permission and grace to just be who you are, you know, outside of that. Cause that's, that's not easy. That takes a lot of, that takes a lot of work. I don't know, you know, therapists help with that and uh, coaches help with that and all, you know, all kinds of people help with that, but that's not an easy, but it's also a burden, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that that's something that you have to do. Anyway, I don't want to make this a white, like a, a <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a fest where we're just sort of complaining, but I think it's just, it's, it's the reality of a lot of, you know, our experiences, particularly when you're working at a certain level of an organization um, and, you know, the things that you have to see and navigate and um, try to protect yourself, you know, kind of in the midst of. Totally. Especially when, you know, people are talking out of two sides of their mouth and you're trying to. navigate it and walk the tightrope because you got other people that are depending on you but then you have visibility to this and you're like oh shoot like what am I going to do how am I on two sides of the fence but to your point about uh, therapists and coaches as you were saying that I was like shout out to my coach Christy Rutherford she's amazing she does cuss a lot but she's incredible Um, so if anyone is looking for a coach she is amazing (laughs) she does cuss a lot (laughs) I've seen her on LinkedIn. I know she's connected actually through my, my event planner. Um, so it's a, such a small world, such a small mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's why community is so important, right? Even the way that the three of us ended up meeting in this, you know, triangle, Crystal and Camila have these retreats that are dedicated to, you know, black women and helping them find peace. Um, and then I happen to be in Orlando and Camila is also in Orlando and all of these things. Um, a lot of the times I look at what we're all saying and what we're all feeling. And I like to ask, why is this even okay? Like, why was this ever even a thing? How did we even get here to where this is a part of workplace culture, being a workhorse, right? This idea of, hey, you know what, do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. I almost think it might be an odd opinion. I think somebody came up with it. I think it's fake news. I think somebody <laughs> I think I think somebody who's like the puppet master of corporate spaces was like, "You know what? Let's throw this phrase out and let's see how many people pick up on it and work their butts off for us. Let's see how many people are willing to, you know, in some cases really like kill themselves over these jobs." losing their like mental health and deteriorating their physical health, like all of these things. So what are, what are your thoughts on do what you love and you'll never work a day, find your purpose, find your passion, do that and get a check for it and all of those things. So I think there's two things that you mentioned that I think are important. You said, how did we get there? I think that as black people and often people of color, we have been taught to 
work as hard as you can. You're going to be recognized. You're going to grow within the organization. So I think that's like a message that many of us have grown up hearing. And also that you have to work, you have have to work twice as hard as everybody else, you know? Yes. Which we have learned uh, in our transformation or metamorphosis that that is actually not true. We don't have to overwork Mm -hmm. ourselves. We don't have to be martyrs in order for us to be successful. And then that second thing about, you know, like, find your passion. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I agree. I mean, I feel like that's basically to get you to work all the time. (laughs) And it's almost like we praise it. Like, oh, I found my passion. Like I found my dream job. I found this. And I'm just like, no, I'm not looking for a dream job. I'm looking for a dream life. Like, what does it mean for me to have the best life that I can have? A life where I'm surrounded by people that love me, um, people that truly want the best for me. And and I'm actually doing the things that make me happy. And I'm sorry, I'm not endorsing work for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. And so funny. So so one of the community that I run um, with Catalyst, we it's all nonprofit consultant people who were like transitioning from their nine to five into independent consulting. And we meet up, we have these monthly meetups and the conversation came up last Tuesday um, where people were just like, I don't want to work. I don't want, I don't, you know, like, yes, I want this, this flexible sort of more liberated life where I can have some choice. But at the end of the day, like I, uh, I don't want to be busting my ass for, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, like that, that's the root of what they're of what, of what they don't want. Right. Um, and I think to, you know, one element of your question, Krista is times have changed. Mm -hmm. You used to be able to do a nine to five clock out job that, you know, you weren't climbing some sort of ladder and have a quality of life that allowed you potentially to, you know, have some, some sort of balance. I mean, I think I'm oversimplifying, but I think, you know, when you think of cost of living and, um, you know, I think I saw something saying like, you know, back in the day, I'm not even going to give a year because I'm going to get it wrong. But like, you know, you could you could have like a two, two the average house size was like 900 square feet and, every, and you had one car for your entire family. And now people that nowadays have two, three cars and, you know, two, three thousand square feet foot houses. Mm-hmm. And like what what comes along with that? What burden comes along with like maintaining that lifestyle? Um, you have to, if you're not finding your passion, you're having to work, you're working really, really hard in in any kind of case, because you got to make money to maintain this lifestyle. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering maybe if, you know, there's some element of how do we get back to more simplicity in general? Um, you know, is that more sustainable way that will allow you to do those things like find your passion where you don't have to, you know, hustle to make enough money to maintain, your existence, right? Um, it's just, it's, it's a complex thing. And I think, you know, we are in this hamster wheel and, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I think, um, in terms of like, you know, putting the, putting a, a, a positive spin on it, like there are ways to, um, and this is what I'm, I'm trying to pursue. There are ways to do both. Like I'm trying to pursue a more simplistic lifestyle, 
you know, like I, I drove my last car till it died, you know, like stuff like that, where I'm just not, I'm not a keeping up with the Joneses kind of person, which has allowed me in my life, a lot of freedom and flexibility now in my forties. Um, uh, I don't even, I don't even know where I was going with this, but I just feel like there's just a lot, um, there's a lot wrapped up into that, into that question. Um, I don't know that passion is the right answer. I don't know if it's, you know, making, making a, a more simplistic life is the answer. Um, but it's, I feel like it's multifaceted and I feel like the system doesn't want it to work that way. <laughs> so. capitalism. It's capitalism. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I agree. I think it's multiple things. I think multiple things have to change in order for you to get to the point where you feel like you can live a more liberated life or you feel free. And I I'm glad you brought up liberation because I feel like my end game is freedom. Like we've all heard Taraji say that she wants to be sitting on a porch, like sipping some water or whatever she said. I don't remember what she said, but it was like somebody's calling her Bella, like on her porch. That's what I want too. Like we really do need to get back to simplicity. Um, But we have been overrun by capitalism and the hustle and all the things and then we end up in a place where we have to like we're handcuffed to these places in order to maintain those things yeah and I I think that's why you know I'm not necessarily obviously not grateful for COVID or the pandemic or, or any of that but I'm really grateful for some of the moments of reflection that it brought the entire world Because I remember when I first got out of grad school and I saw what corporate America was, I thought it was bananas, but nobody was saying anything. Everybody was just like, oh, this is my wheel. I'm going to go, 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 go. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to go get myself a wheel too. And I guess (laughs) I'm like, I guess this is life. I'll sit in traffic for however long, you know, after dropping off children and waking up, I'll go sit in an office just to sit in an office. I'll do the same thing put everyone to bed and do it all over again, day after day for years and years, you know, so I, I think I'm really grateful for the pause that um, the pandemic brought us and the great resignation that was the wave that came after it, because people were like, whether to your point, Camila, they were like, hey, I want simpler. I want something different. Or they were like, I want peace in a different way. This isn't peace for me. Mm -hmm. This isn't quality of life for me. And it meant different things to so many different people. But because we've had this transformation, metamorphosis, if you will, (laughs) (laughs) across, across the world, right? When it comes to work life culture and balance, I think we've gotten to see so many different sides of people and seen the, you said, multifaceted and multidimensional elements of what a passion can be and what a purpose can be instead of it just being like this one box. You know what? I'm going to go into social impact and that's my job and that's what I get paid to do, but it's also what I happen to love to do. So one of the things I've had to grapple with is, hey, I can do DEI and I can love it because it's close to my passion. But that's not necessarily what has to fill my cup. That's not where I have to get it from. That's not where I have to get my juice and my energy from. I can find that in other ways without pouring everything I have into my job. Without a doubt. And you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, you have to be loyal to you. Because... 
it is not guaranteed that others are going to be loyal to you. And if you pour everything that you have, then what do you have for yourself? And I think that through the DEI coach and the Iwani retreat, that's really what we focus on is you don't have to be a martyr in order to make progress or to actually do work. I think there's so many people that feel like I need to rake myself over hot coals. I need to give all of me in order for me to say that I have been loyal to the community that I'm from or loyal to the community of people of color. But that's not true. I mean, if you're a martyr, that means you're never going to see what it is that you've been able to achieve through your actions. And I don't know about you, but I want to be here to be able to see when things shift or change and also realize that they may never completely shift or change in my lifetime. Yeah, I, I, um, I think also this idea of, of whether or not it can change as a society is different than whether or not it can change for us as individuals, mm-hmm. right? I think you all have said it really well about, hey, sometimes it's about a choice. Sometimes it's about putting your foot down mentally, spiritually, physically. Like, I cannot do this anymore. My body, my mind, my soul can't take it. Something has to change. And I think even though we've had the great resignation and, and all of this stuff happen, there's still a lot of people that I see that are caught up in that web. So I guess that's kind of my hope, at least for this episode, is that when you hear the narrative and think, yeah, I'm definitely on my way to finding myself, or um, you said it really well, Camila, uh, shedding the should be's, shedding like who I'm Post- supposed to yeah. be or who I was told to be and all of these things. One of that is it's going to end up being the nuance of your professional identity and who you think you are at work and who you think you're supposed to be and how your performance relates to the way you feel. Um, I I said, fill your cup earlier, but I was actually talking to a friend a few weeks ago and I wanted to challenge the fill your cup um, mindset. And I was like, can we, can we get away from a cup? Because I think it feels um, kind of one time ish, like fill your cup and that's it. The cup's full, right? I'm like, it doesn't encourage discussion about how does it get empty in the first place? What's taking from me in order for me to need to fill my cup? So I was like, let's call it a battery, right? Because a battery has all of these pieces to it. There's there's charge in, there's you're giving out to something else. There's the things that recharge you at all, right? The things that bring you that piece that do, as we used to say, you know, fill your cup and everything else. And how do you all within like Catalyst, uh, Catalyst, sorry, or the Uwani retreat, how are you all encouraging women to find what recharges them and to place their energy in the right places within work or outside of work? Hmm. That's such a good question. Um, So interestingly, my retreat is called the Fill Your Cup Retreat. (laughs) So there's- I still love the name. I love the name. I love it. Maybe I should think about the recharger, recharger battery retreat. Um, <laughs> what's interesting is we bring a coach in every year. And this, so this year's our third year. We've done two of them. And the coach, Coach Crystal Brown of uh, Steps and Stages Coaching, she's all about, um, and I, she, she uses a coaching model that I think is, is popular, but she's all about paradigm shifts and um 
in in moments where you have stories that you're telling yourself, taking pause in those moments to identify, is this real or is this my perception of this thing happening? Um, and I mean, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, it, what am I trying to say? In, in, in terms of like identifying what that means for you, I think is the root of a lot of the shifting that has to happen from this kind of fill your cup one time thing to what am I doing to sustain myself? How am I showing up in these moments? And Crystal, this might even tag on to what you said earlier, where you, you, you know, you started doing that, but shifting within yourself. Um, Cause it's not all like, we're not, all victims to our circumstances, we have a lot more power and control, I think, over our reaction to situations. And um, again, the, the reality versus perception, like where is, is, is some of this stuff coming from? And unpacking a lot of that, I think, you know, is, is the work. Um, so whether folks are reading books or, again, finding support through professionals, I really think it comes down to just like, maybe not societal shifts, like you said, Krista, just individual shifts that collectively um, can make can make things a little bit different um, for each of us. And I think some people are going to be completely fine staying in their, their environments. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. But I think what is important is for us to each identify for ourselves, um, you know, what our priorities are and what those environments are that we can thrive in. And, um, how much of ourselves we want to like give away to the spaces that we find ourselves in. Um, but that's, that's, that takes a lot of introspection and self-awareness, you know? And I think that is a, that's a learned practice that has to be continually practiced, you know? So I don't know if that answered your question, but I think, you know, that's just kind of where my mind went as you were kind of throwing that question to us. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I was about in my head, I was thinking reflection, like it's important for you to reflect on where it is that you are today and you have to make a choice about who it is that you want to be going forward. Um, And like you said, we all have a lot more power than we believe that we do. I think one of the things that one of the aha moments that I think a lot of people have is that they realize that they're the prize. I'm the prize. I get to make the choice about where it is that I want to be and where it is that I don't want to be. I get to speak up to say, this makes me feel uncomfortable for whatever reason, or this is the feedback that I have about X, Y, and Z. And if someone is not going to meet those demands or those requests for how it is that you want to be treated or the type of environment that you want to be in, you got to be okay with just walking away. And I realize that that's not everybody's Thing. Like everyone's not able to just get up and walk away. Um, but there's a certain level of freedom that comes when you realize that you're the prize and that you have a choice. I was just going to say, that's a lot of the, the conversations that we have at the Yuwani retreat. And then of course we pile on, you know, the sisterhood and the love and the joy um, and focusing on self-care and well-being as well. And our hope is that people sustain that uh, when they leave our retreat. And I was going to say, I think um, another part of being more powerful than we realize we are is is 
it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And, you know, a lot of the women that come to our mastermind community for, um, you know, those sort of transitioning out of nonprofit into consulting, um, you know, that's one of the things I say, like, there really are no rules. If you're in an, if, if that space is not feeling right to you, you can dip your toe into other things. And once you start to, um, again, recognize your, your prizeness, <laughs> I don't know the word I'm looking for, but once you start to recognize the fact that you, again, have control over the tiniest little piece of your life and you have some tiny little control over changing some tiny little thing, um, it starts to open up your eyes of, around how powerful you really are in a lot of other things, right? Um, I, it's just, it's such a, it's such an empowering shift. It was for me to be like, okay, this is the system that I was existing within because I thought I had to. Uh, I worked really hard. I saved a lot of money. That's the other thing. Like I was able to kind of make that transition because I, I had some financial security. So I always like to put that out there because I don't want it to make it sound like I just made the leap like I had, I had a cushion. Um, and so, but once I started to be like, I'm reaching out to people and they're saying yes to my services or based on my reputation of, of how I've worked with them before, it made me be like, oh, when push comes to shove, if I really, really, really needed to bounce, like I have it within me to be all right and to land on mm-hmm. my feet, you know, um, there's just something again that is so empowering about knowing that you have some play. Uh, like life just doesn't have to happen to you. Like you can happen to life. 